Hi, hi, this is Social Distance Warriors. It is the third day of the month, March in the year 2022, and it's a Thursday. And my name is Tom, and I am not an expert on the COVID-19 pandemic or any of its related topics. And my name is Rat, and I'm also not an expert on the COVID-19 pandemic and other topics. (laughs) Although you have had it. I, I did have it. It's true. Yes. And I don't want to have it again. That's an admirable desire. It is actually one month to the day since last we recorded. And I don't know. What's that been like for you? What was the month of February like for you? <laughs> I can't remember the month, but I will say I'm exhausted. So <laughs> just a general exhaustion probably with the world. But that is that is me. Where would you say your mood energy is at these days? pretty similar. I'm, I'm kind of exhausted. I, f- I feel like I've, I'm, this time of year is always very difficult for me. Mm. Um, the winter times and it's, it's starting to warm up a bit here. It's starting to get brighter out earlier and later. So I'm starting to pull out of that a little more, but it is still rough going. It's going to be daylight saving soon. I don't think that's a good one though, but <laughs> I guess eventually there will be, yes, the more sunlight. Yeah, I've never really internalized an understanding of how that works, but I believe you. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Not an expert on daylight savings time, but I can tell you that soon there will be more sunlight for us. That's good. That's good. So I think the big thing that happened in the last month was the Gallifrey One Doctor Who convention, which I didn't go to. Yes. I mean, uh, to be like that, that was maybe not the biggest thing worldwide, but I I did want (laughs) to, I did want to ask you about that. If you at all wanted to talk about what you did when you didn't go or what you did to attend with the people you wanted to have seen. That didn't make sense. Let me start over. What you did to connect to the people you would have seen at Galley but did not. The answer to both questions is pretty much nothing. Like I just basically let it pass by. It didn't really bother me that much. I think since I had kind of locked in my decision not to go, I mean, obviously I was a little, obviously I was sad to miss certain things, but I muted the tag on Twitter for the weekend just so I could not have to see constant tweets from friends of mine who are there hashtagging their tweets with Galley One. But yeah, the one thing I did actually do though is I, have have you ever been to a convention, like a fan convention? I have been to one. It was LeakyCon in Florida right when the last Harry Potter movie was being released. I don't know what year that was. Okay. That's my one convention. (laughs) So I think, I think that's kind of similar to Galley in that it's Obviously, it's largely a single fandom con. I know there's other stuff there, but it's devoted to a particular fandom. It's fan run. I, I think LeakyCon is fan run rather than corporate run. Yes, that's um, correct. Yeah, so so it's it's a, a similar vibe to Galley. And at LeakyCon, was there a dealer's room? Yes. So a dealer's room is one of the most, I don't know, it, it's, a, it's a trap at every con that, that, that threatens to <laughs> take all of your money away, where various dealers who deal in fandom-related things, whether that's t-shirts, fan crafts, or selling newer used books related to the fandom, etc. So yeah, that is one thing every year I will spend a certain amount of money at the dealer's room at Galley. And what I did this year was I actually sent someone on a mission to me. Sorry, a mission for me, not a mission to me. Well, the mission will eventually take them to me where they will give me the items that I made them purchase. You uh, sent them on a, on a, f- a fetch quest. Essentially, yeah. So it was it was nice. I'm, I'm able to, uh, from afar, do, you know, business and commerce with the various friendly vendors at the Gallifrey One convention. 
I'm super not an expert on Galley, but I have an image in my mind. Can you confirm, did they send people who had planned to attend but didn't some kind of memorabilia for people who weren't able to make it? No, I don't think so. I didn't get anything. Okay, well, then that existed in <laughs> in my brain only. Okay. Yeah, I I, uh, I don't know what they would have sent if they had, but... Okay, yeah. well, nope. <laughs> would have been nice if <laughs> dreams came true, but okay. It seems that a lot of people went and had a good time, and none of my friends who went ended up getting sick, which is a good thing. Or if they did, then I haven't heard that they got sick. Yeah. I think at one point in time, this is back in my mail carrier days, mm. I helped out delivering. There was like some kind of teacher convention that at that point in the pandemic like had been completely switched to a virtual convention and so they were then delivering all these teachers across the country like care packages con swag instead of like stuff you would have gotten if you had attended and then because I was the mail carrier and they had extra they gave me one too <laughs> oh that's neat I, th- yeah. I, th- I think it's possible that the difference there is that for like professional conferences and things like that, oftentimes there is like that swag, which is available as part of your very expensive ticket. I don't know. I mean, in, in the professional conventions that I've gone to, there's been free stuff handed out, but that so does you, not happen you, at Galley. You are not only a fandom convention attender, you are a professional <laughs> convention, like for for your profession. Yeah, it has been a good few years since I last went to a convention. I think it might have been... 2016 or 2017 when I last went to a a professional conference or convention. But yes, I have in the past done that. Have you ever done anything of that sort? Um, Like was there, when you were with the mail, was there like, (laughs) I mean, that was during the pandemic, so I guess not. Yeah, I mean, with my, um, well, okay, life news, I'm I'm leaving my cage wash job and, and have found a new job. But with the animal care and cage wash job, when I first started, they were having a animal research science virtual convention where they, God, they really, really wanted any of us to like volunteer to present. And if we did, they would give us gift cards. But nobody, I, I don't think in a normal non-pandemic time, people particularly have energy in this job but this job and combined with it's a pandemic nobody really wanted to you know like give a little presentation on the best way to handle mice or tell cool things about their tail you know it's like you could do a fun little presentation but nobody wanted to and I didn't really attend it Mm. tell me about your new job The new job is a school administrative position, which I will be starting later in March. And I don't know a huge amount about what day-to-day will look like, aside from what I wanted in my job hunt, which was not a super, super physical job like the cage wash one I had been doing. And one where hopefully I can, if future employers don't listen to this, write fan fiction while I'm at my job, like have enough time and a kind of job where you are not always constantly expected to look like you are doing something. I guess like yeah. you have to, there's a certain office way of looking like you're doing something, but in cage wash, like you, you have to be doing something, even though both of those jobs do have downtime. But it's sort of like that retail equivalent of like 
you should not be sitting. If you have time to lean, you have time to clean kind of a thing. So, so that, <laughs> yeah, that that's what I am hoping for. This. Is, it, is it at your same school where you're working now or is it a different school? No, it is. It is at a totally different institution. It's like with a middle school, so not a university. I will say one thing that was fun about the job hiring process was that I didn't have an interview. Instead, I had to pass a series of clerical tests that were designed by, I believe, a twisted riddle master. (laughs) Like they had a series of clerical tests and I took them and I did not pass all of them. But the hiring coordinator kept telling me, hey, you can retake these tests as many times as you would like. And so I retook them and still did not pass. And still she said to me, hey, you can retake these as many times as you would like. And also I will tell you of all our candidates who have come in so far, you are the one who is closest to passing any of these because it turns out that these tests are required for them to like offer you the position and they're really bad tests, like mm. poorly designed tests and outdated. And so they were not really able to find candidates. So I kept coming back to the administrative building. There was like a typing test for your typing speed, a spelling test where, you know, like an audio file read you words, commonly confused homonym type hmm. words, and you had to spell them. A proofreading test where they took away your spell check and you had to proofread. You had to do a mail merge, which um, yeah, I know office <laughs> people who work in office contexts may perk up at the concept of a mail merge. I I got a hundred <laughs> I got a hundred percent on mail merge the very first time. Anyway, oh, and there nice. was um. Did you have prior mail merge experience? I had prior mail merge experience. I just didn't know it was called that. I just oh okay had to like templated letter before where you send it to a lot of people but you got to change out the name and oh we are thanking you for this we are thanking you for donating this much money and blah 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 the thing i had the hardest time with was their excel test Mm. which was an example of sort of poor test being a test because it was 25 questions and you had to like do particular things on excel but not just do them. It would grade you. Basically, we learned on like the equivalent of, well, we want you to copy paste, but you did control X and control V to cut and paste. We wanted you to go to file and <laughs> wow. you know, click copy and then go and then click paste. I don't know why you would want that. <laughs> yeah. So you can see why people maybe even who were capable of doing the job were not passing these tests. So I came in three separate times. One of my friends who was an accountant very kindly did a, a Zoom tutorial, which they titled Excel Hell, a tutorial. Mm. And we tried to use the answers I had gotten wrong on the test to try and reverse engineer what they wanted us to do and the way they wanted me to do it in Excel. And I solved Mm. the riddles. I passed the test and then they did in fact offer me the job. So that 
was fun. So your clerical <laughs> test did not involve any kind of like worshiping a patron deity or casting healing spells or any of the things that a cleric does in Dungeons and Dragons. Unfortunately, no, but it did involve creative problem solving. <laughs> Good for any sort of campaign. I, I fancy myself somewhat of an, I don't know if I would call myself an advanced Excel person, but like high level intermediate, let's say. <laughs> I don't do any visual basic programming and I don't really use macros a lot, but up to that point, like pivot tables, you know, V lookups, index matches, all that stuff. Like, Tom, I will say on this podcast, you can call yourself <laughs> an Excel expert. <laughs> that, well, that may be the first expertise I ever claim on this podcast, but sure. Yeah. Yes. I mean, I've been at my previous job, people used to call me the Excel whisperer. But anyhow, when I was hiring, people in the past, we used to do, we referred to them as skills tests. And there were really only two. One of them was a proofreading a letter and the other was an Excel, almost like a gauntlet. Like here's a list of 20 things we want you to do with the Excel document. But it wasn't ever really a matter of like passing or failing because my expectation was not that they would succeed to, at doing all 20 things. I was just doing it to get a sense of what can they do? Like just how they fare when given a task like that, how much progress they're able to make in 20 minutes. So I don't I don't think anyone ever did all of the stuff that we asked of them because these were like entry level positions that did not did not require like a whole lot of experience with Excel. But it sounds like this is a lot more unreasonable than the, <laughs> the, the stuff that I used to have to do in the past. Yeah, I did ask the hiring person, how long has this test been there and she had to take it when she was hired a, a decent amount of time ago so i think ultimately it's like a hazing for mm. your new administrative people well, yeah that is that's exciting though that you have a new job it is when do you start it, it will be the end of march i have two more weeks at my current cage wash job, including this week that is almost over. And then I did something unique and that I had never considered until one of my coworkers posed the idea. I gave myself a week between activities. I, I was extremely ready to tell the new job, yeah, I can start immediately. And as soon as I passed their tests, they suddenly were like, hey, we need you immediately. Whereas before they were like, yeah. We have a substitute. It's been a couple months of this position. Trying to find someone. Take your time. Yeah, I, I um, gave myself a week in between because a coworker was like, yeah, if I was leaving a job, I would take some time before immediately starting the new one. And that had never occurred to me. <laughs> yeah, that's a good idea. Yeah. I will say um, one other thing I am assigning myself, I guess, in this time, I don't know if it's going to work, is I'm trying to organize my life a little better. So I'm, I'm like seeing a person to help me organize my life. I'm seeing a life coach. But I assign myself the task of what if you wrote yourself a syllabus for an imaginary course that is based off your life for the next couple months. And that is what I'm currently working on and will probably use to occupy myself during the time that I am not working from old job to new job. Mm. Well, you, you didn't ask, but I'm going to offer anyway. My, my like, <laughs> number one life organization advice is to read the book Getting Things Done by David Allen. So I'm throwing it out there and I'll put it, a link in the show notes. Okay, I'll put it on my syllabus from <laughs> yeah. my course. Although it's, it's fine if you read whatever version of the book you can find, but the second edition is not as good as the first edition and you can't really find the first edition in a lot of places anymore. But I don't know, your local library may have the earlier edition. He just kind of updated it, and a lot of the updates were bad. <laughs> okay. They add, like, more 
crappy tech business jargon and stuff, like do was replaced with execute. Oh, no. Yeah, no. But uh, still, still good, a good book either way. Anyhow, that's that's exciting. I think that is, I feel like I am constantly, like, there is never a point where my life is in an organized state. It is a constant struggle towards organization, but it is something that I have learned to, I don't know, something I've learned to work well within, like, is is the state of constant striving in a Sisyphean way. Yes. I think for me, what it is, is I do not anticipate reaching a point of I am perfectly organized in every part of my life all the time, but in having a set of techniques where it's like, if I have a big project coming up, here's a bunch of ways that have worked in the past that I could use to break it down and structure it. Whereas I have a lot of techniques that don't work for me. So I don't know if I said it on the podcast at any point, but I had been seeing a therapist. I'm no longer seeing a therapist for talk therapy because we had a couple sessions and I really was not getting what I wanted to be getting from one-on-one talk therapy right now. But something very good that I did get from that therapy encounter was basically at one point he had jokingly assigned me to write an essay about one of the things I was talking about was why my high school essays are very important to me and uh, difficult for me to sort through. And he was like, why don't you write an essay about that? And then I did. Um, The issue there (laughs) is that I think I am trying to get a little bit weirder (laughs) with the way I approach tasks that are difficult for me. I have not always had a great time doing school, but one thing I am learning about myself is that there are some aspects of school that I'm very well like suited to and shaped from. So trying to use that and and also like seeing a life coach, I've spent more money attending college classes and that hasn't motivated me to, you know, or another way of saying that is there were not always the structures in my life in place, even when I was quote unquote, like had money on the line to motivate me to do my assignments. But I am paying some money (laughs) to see a life coach. And also I'm hoping like that's social element of like having a person who I can talk to and remind me of time passing and things I said I was going to do as also being a part of that. That that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. I'll report back. <laughs> Please do. Yeah. Yeah. Who knows? Maybe I'll publish. I won't publish the syllabus because it's going to be very, very tailored to my life. Well, if there are individual aspects of the syllabus, like particular resources you find helpful, then I'm always interested to hear that because personal organization and productivity and things like that are are very much an interest of mine. I think a lot of people that I work with think that I'm very organized when what they actually see is just like they see me trying very hard to be very organized. (laughs) And then whenever I'm not organized, I just try to hide that as much as I can. So they get the impression that I'm a very organized person, but I'm just a person who loves spreadsheets and loves organizational <laughs> tools just for the for their own characteristics. I hate spreadsheets. Um, <laughs> I will throw a resource out there. The thing I'm using to write my syllabus is just a syllabus generator that is online and they make it, I obviously, I'm assuming for professors or people who <laughs> are teaching and primarily are the ones making syllabuses, but it's 
through leovis.com and it does what I want it to do. Like, I don't have to think about how do you make a syllabus? I just have to think about what do I want to include here? That is cool. Yeah, that is always good when you can get a tool that does all of the stupid structural stuff that you don't want to have to mess about with. Yes, yes, because I could very easily spend so much time making the perfect thing to template for a syllabus and then not not write it. Yeah, that sounds like the kind of thing I would do. <laughs> Anyhow, <laughs> I, I, have a, I have another, there's another topic that's definitely relevant to our show that I should share. Okay. My mother has COVID. No, I yeah. mean, I, I, I hope she is, um, how is she doing? I spoke to her on the phone a couple days ago. She sounded pretty rotten and she was feeling pretty rotten. Mm. She tested positive on Monday. Today today is Thursday. So she tested positive and I was in close contact with her on Sunday, mm-hmm. this past Sunday. So, And at that time, you know, I, I went home to have dinner with my mother and father and she was complaining of a headache, which I now guess is probably an early symptom. I know because I know that headaches can be one symptom. I don't know if it's one you experienced when you had COVID, but but yeah, I think that that was in retrospect a symptom. I've not yet tested positive. I've had a couple of negative rapid tests, but I don't know about the timeline, whether it's too early that I would. Yeah, I, I don't really know how it is with Omicron. So I'm I'm kind of monitoring, but my mother is, you know, thankfully it doesn't seem to be like a dire illness, like a severe, like mm-hmm. threatening illness, but it is clearly not something she is having a lot of fun with. Uh, it is fortunate that my father hasn't been infected. I don't understand how that could be possible because they live together. But, yeah. yeah. Do, you, do you know if they're doing any unique self-isolation strategies? Yeah, I know that. I don't know the full details, but I know they've kind of adjusted the way they do things. They're now sleeping in different rooms and, and things like that. But I don't know. I don't know the full specifics. I think I think I don't I don't really know this for sure, but I I think my my father is in a more immunocompromised state than my mother is, just in terms of their overall health situations. So I hope he continues to stay not infected, and I hope I also continue to stay not infected. But but yeah, I felt a little off this this week, and I have been in the spiral of is this COVID or is this anxiety? And I don't know, but I I've yet to see a test that that indicates I I have COVID. So. Yeah, it is not fun <laughs> to be in that limbo. I'll, I'll say it's not fun to know you are positive for COVID, but it, it is not fun at all to be like, not sure in a sort of ambiguous way where you can't really know what is being cautious enough or what mm. you can do. Yeah, it's especially like as I, I don't know how it is where you are, but in Massachusetts, it's very much like the world is dead set on going back to quote unquote normal. Mask mm-hmm. mandates are, are are going away. At my place of employment, the masking policy is now, as of next week, it's no longer in effect. And I feel like I have such a poor understanding of whether those are good ideas or not. Like, I feel like I've been, I've trained myself to be so cautious over the past couple of years that the notion of seeing things open up, I don't have a good perspective on whether it's a good idea or not, honestly. But uh, for me personally, it's a little, I don't know, it's, it's a little frustrating that like, now is when one of my parents has COVID, when everyone else seems to be acting like the pandemic is basically over because we are down to pre-Omicron levels of transmission. Yeah. To me, it doesn't feel like it is something that 
makes sense. I, a couple weeks ago, I was listening to the radio for the first time in the while. Um, and at that time, there were kind of like the buzzes of masking. Is it hurting our children <laughs> on, you know, like on NPR, which is more of a radio station, like not a really out there right wing or Christian news station kind of thing that is at least like left moderate kind of a thing. So to hear that and then I had also like listened to a death panel podcast where they were they're a much more leftist podcast than NPR. Sorry, NPR. Mm. But talking about how they anticipated like this wave of people basically trying to get to regardless of whether or not like actually COVID is no longer as much of an issue to have the appearance that things are things are going well and especially to have that on the the schools where there are recently elementary schools where it's like not everyone there is vaccinated but maybe they've just gotten vaccinated or maybe they have younger siblings who are not vaccinated kind of a thing to really kind of have that be a place of like contention where there's really not much left I guess of COVID precautions and so to me it's just like the bare minimum because there are cases and because the status of like who can be vaccinated and not is not everybody. Yeah. It would make so much sense to say, yes, yeah, st still you gotta, <laughs> in schools, you can wear masks, especially because of that. But to have like the weeks and weeks of people talking about like, is it hurting kids social skills yeah. or, you know, it's like to have it be proposed now as like, no masking is hurting our children more than doing anything additional to again be in the situation of like now we're fighting for we I say like I guess we being like I don't know people who um, are still concerned about COVID in a meaningful way you can't want more you can only like cling to what is still there my institution that I'm working for have I have I doxed them before it's a university in Pittsburgh one could even <laughs> say it's the University of Pittsburgh they're currently continuing their masking policy but they have said as of yesterday we're gonna review it and every week they will send out campus case reports and yes they are down from below the height of Omicron levels but like there were 50 cases on our campus last week and they're saying we are moving away from looking at caseloads as a tool to indicate our risk basically so it does feel like they too will go that way yeah I think this is, this is gonna sound kind of insane what I'm about to say okay but I feel like the current war in in ukraine which we haven't mentioned on this podcast yet <laughs> yes um, yes the current that war in ukraine i feel like it's all of a sudden like squeezing out a lot of the discussion and analysis on covid that i've come to rely on to kind of situate myself in the world and covid in the world and how we must relate to one another mm -hmm. like i could reliably expect to hear at least every week or so on on the NPR, NPR's The Daily, not New York Times' rather, The Daily podcast, there would be at least one episode that is 
you know, COVID centric, but it's all about Russia and Ukraine for the past week or so, for the past two weeks, three weeks even. And I'm not saying that that's a bad thing to talk about, like, because Mm -hmm. I think that it's a good thing to talk about. I think that it's something that the news should be covering. I feel like I I personally have not been able to devote the mental energy (laughs) that it would take to form hot takes on the war in, in Ukraine, aside from the sort of basic war bad thing. We're bad. Yeah. I generally think we're bad. But I feel like this other big thing is now the biggest story in the world, the Russia-Ukraine thing. And while that's going on, I do worry that kind of like we're going to slip into pandemic complacency and let down our guard faster than, than we should. Yeah. I mean, I definitely don't. Maybe this expedites that process, but it, it was definitely not looking like we were going to sweep back into really doing anything meaningful materially to in the US like handle COVID anyway. But yeah, my I guess my hot take that's very general is I think journalists, many journalists are fine, but I think like generally political talk media and that set of news find war very sexy mm. and more sexy than an ongoing pandemic. So, you know, for a while, the pandemic was sexy. For a while, the pandemic was sexy. Like Cuomo, there was the Cuomo sexuals about his his briefings. And then there was all this, you know, Fauci thirst. God, yes. That was a thing. Yes. And, and now people are idolizing the leader of Ukraine Which, in the same way. And there's there's absolutely no way he's going to like be a milkshake taco. Yeah, because the lesson there is you just got to find the right politician to sexualize or idolize. That is the lesson. Yeah. Uh, you just got to find the right one. Not that you could <laughs> perhaps not do that. What it definitely does feel like where as a thing to report on, even though the way it affects us currently as Americans is very different than the way... COVID affects us. It is much more exciting to report on a war. God, I hope we don't get involved militarily. Anyway, yeah, I don't know how, like, historically, like, thinking about the 100 years ago flu and then also world wars, like, I I, I don't want to doom cast too much, but I, Mm. I don't know how other than acting as much as I can handle to like continue to seek out the COVID information and take precautions. How do you still swim in the society that now like the mood is turning? Well, it would be nice possibly for like political reasons and other reasons if the COVID pandemic was over and possibly if we had a nice sexy war to get involved in. (laughs) Yeah, gotta have that war. Yeah. Do we want to talk about action items? Yes, and I'm going to be so surprised and delighted to find out what last time's action items were because I did not write them down. Man, so am I. (laughs) Yeah, I absolutely do not remember at all, and I didn't write it down. And what I will sometimes do before recording, go back into the yet-to-be-edited podcast file and just, like, re-listen the last few minutes to figure out what they are. Nope, didn't do that. So whatever the action items were, clearly they weren't important or they were so important that we did them so quickly that we didn't even remember them as action items because we just remembered them as moral imperatives. Yes, I am committing to stopping 
writing action <laughs> items on random pieces of sticky notes that I then lose track of and also random word documents that I then also close out of. I am committing to creating. I have a word document open <laughs> that I will save mm. and type our action items. For a while, I was writing them down in my paper planner. Yeah. But I have fallen out of that habit. I'll do it right now, though, <laughs> for whatever our new action items are. <laughs> the two of us. Yeah. I mean, I, I was so good on my old laptop. I had a word document. And then when mm. I got this new laptop, I was like, nah. I'll remember if I write it on a sticky note or think about it in my brain. There certainly won't be world events or personal events that happen that mm. also take up space in my brain. Do you have one, an action item? Not, not, not brain. I wasn't asking do you have a brain. I was asking <laughs> do you have an action item. But I do. I did come up with two action items, actually, Ooh. when I was creating that Word document. So, yes. Well, maybe three. Two or three. Well, Whoa. I say two. I was so prepared because I was avoiding writing my imaginary syllabus mm. uh, for the course about my life. I would say action item one is to continue wearing a mask around people and get an N95 if you can. Oh, I just got a whole bunch of them. So did I. I continue to um, steal them from my workplace in Cage nice. Wash. Um, and also I have ordered and received some from the KN95 project that mm. will ship them in bulk for slightly cheaper prices than scrounging around Amazon. Yeah, just yesterday I wore an N95 for the first time. I had never worn one before because I got a bunch of them. I ordered them on meh.com, which has a single product for sale every day. Um, mm. And one day it was just a big box of N95s. So I've been rocking the KN95s and I think they're more comfortable for me, honestly. But the N95s are supposedly better. Yeah, I will say uh, for the cage wash job, wearing them, they are noticeably like uh, it is more effort to breathe through them mm, while doing yeah. a lot of physical activity. But I think that's fine. <laughs> and it, it is something that I adjust to. And then I have other masks, too, still that are not N95s because... I still believe that any kind of effort to wear any kind of mask, if you can, is, is a good idea. But that is not my second action item. My second <laughs> action item is to treat yourself to a dentist appointment. Ooh, it's been a while. It's been a while for me, too. And that's what I'm doing on my break between... <laughs> it's a little sad. I feel for personal and societal reasons that when I am in between jobs and don't have to worry about like who I answer to for my time, mm. I immediately jump to, hey, I could book a dentist appointment. Will you have dental insurance during that period? I will because okay. it will, I don't know who I'm glaring at right now, but <laughs> it will last until the end of the month. Nice. So th those are your two or did you have a third? No, those are my two. Oh. I continue wearing a mask around people and have it be an N95 if you can get them and also to treat yourself to a dentist appointment. All right. I have been putting that off. I've been meaning to do it for about two years now. Yeah. <laughs> so I will probably have to do that. That's a good impetus to do that. I have one action item and it's to create a character in a tabletop RPG, uh, even if you don't have any intention of playing the RPG is to create a character anyway. And this is something that depending on which... RPG you choose could take hours or it could take like a minute if you use like lasers and feelings or some other very lightweight RPG that only requires you to make two or three decisions in order to make a character. Okay. 
So it's yeah. a sort of like um, choose your own difficulty action item. Yeah, I'm thinking I might. Um, there's an Avatar The Last Airbender role-playing game, which was kickstarted by Magpie Games, who have made other really cool role-playing games in the past. And I backed the Kickstarter, so I have gotten an early copy of the rules. And I might, I might go through that and create some kind of character. Nice. All right. Well, I, I think that's about it then. Yeah. I think I am ready to go ahead and end this episode the way that we end every episode by staying distant and also by going the distance and also by saying our Twitter handle that I don't remember oh is it SDW underscore pod or is it just SDW pod it's one of those it's one of those and again I don't think I can commit to (laughs) memorizing that or even writing that down but I can commit to looking it up right now it is SDW underscore pod. Can I share a secret about our the name of our podcast? Yes. Before we go. Yes. I mean, it's not about the name. It's about the abbreviation of our podcast, which is SDW. Well, I think Social Distance Warriors is a good name, and I'm proud of it. And I think SDW is a fine abbreviation. But at my previous employer, I worked at a Catholic university, and there was a big weekend event they had called St. Dominic's Weekend. Mm-hmm. And we all referred to it as SDW, SDW, <laughs> SDW this, SDW that. Oh, you ready for SDW? So whenever I think SDW, I think St. Dominic Weekend and not our podcast, it has not yet <laughs> reclaimed that brain space from my previous employer oh no we should have uh, well i guess if we had a social distance warriors weekend it would be sdww but we gotta yeah. we gotta, <laughs> gotta make it loom larger in your memory yeah and it would also be ironic if that were like a, an in-person event to have a social distance warriors in-person <laughs> event yeah we can never make a sdw convention sdw con yeah no it's inherently contradictory anyhow i think that that is I mean, Thank how do we end sharing, the show? sharing that secret. Yeah, but we already said the stay distant. We already said the thing, thing so. so there is no way out now. Um, yep, so now we're trapped in this episode forever. All right, well, I can stop recording. Uh, but you, the listener, are not. Uh, you can go. Yeah. Uh, yeah, and the listener can stop listening. Yeah, all right. So I think there, there, there are some ways out. <laughs>